Welcome to The Bible Teachers, featuring sermons from around Australia. And here is today's presenter, Pastor Paul Richardson. So welcome to worship. Welcome to worship. And we come to worship our God together this morning. And as we do so, I'd like to pose you the question, is the Bible relevant for 2018? Well, being good, solid Christians, I'm sure you'll have a clear answer to that. But in the community about us, I do believe that people likely ask that question. And let's think about why. 2017 has been a rather significant year for Australia for many reasons. But in some ways, the whole fabric of our society has been changed. And unless the law changes to the future, it will never be the same again. Society lives largely oblivious to the will of God and what God's will is. And so I guess in a real sense, seeing so few people go to church these days, so few have gone to Sunday schools even in the last 20, 30 years, that is it any wonder that Australia has become a less religious and a more secular society? And so that reflects all about us. And it reflects somewhat on us, and we have to be alert as to how much the culture of our day reflects in our own lives. Where do we build our own lives from? From culture, from the Word of God. And part of that was discussed in the Sabbath School lesson in different ways this morning. And so even plain statements in the Word of God are ignored and overlooked and misunderstood by people. And so we ask the question again, is the Bible still relevant today? Can we trust its message? And ask, what does it talk about? So somebody might say, well, does the Bible say anything about the clothes we wear? Perhaps the car we drive? What else? Okay. The programs we watch on television? Do we find anything about that in the scriptures? The mobile phone we use? what we plant in our garden, what we eat for lunch today. Does the Bible say anything about that? Nothing. Nothing. Does that mean the Bible is irrelevant? No, of course not. All it means is that we're asking the wrong questions of the Word of God. And so in relation to the Scripture, we need to ask, what is its purpose? What is its purpose? What's the purpose of the Word of God? It's different to other books. There's no question. It's different to every other book. Why? Because it is the word of God, inspired by God, telling a story to reach into the hearts of people that they might know that there's a God who loves them. It introduces God. It introduces Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and angels, those of the heavenly areas. It tells us that we're caught in a cycle of sin, and death. And it offers a path to freedom and eternal life. And rather than speaking of everyday activities, it speaks more to principles and allows us free choice while reminding us that there are consequences. You're on holidays. You're going out in almost the middle of Australia, or certainly of 
far west New South Wales. And it's an area of land that has irrigation and water. And you've been driving for a while, it's close to the middle of the day, and as far as you can see down this country road, there's maize. You stop at the corner there, there's a little road that goes up to a farm, probably 10 kilometres to your west, and you see all this maize growing in front of you on the corner there. And some of it's leaning actually over the fence, and sometimes people call that common land. And you're rather hungry, and so you're there for a little while, so you pluck a couple of, couple of cobs and um, you put them in and you, you boil them and heat them up. And you say to yourself, this is a maize paddock. How do you know it's a maize paddock? Well, you just pick some maize, didn't you? And you put it in your pot and you boil and you've now eaten it. But with you in your car is a younger teenager. And he says, well, Dad, are you sure it's a maize paddock? And Dad says, well, haven't we just eaten it? It's a maize paddock. And he says, well, let me put my drone up in the air and fly out over this great paddock that goes for kilometres. And as the drone is going up through the air, over the paddock, over all the crop, he's looking at his little monitor screen there. He said, Dad, this is not a maize paddock. It's a corn paddock. But Dad says, but the maize is right in front of us. Haven't we just eaten it? And the son says, yes, Dad, but it's, the maize is only in the corner of the corn paddock. Now, why have I shared that illustration? We can sometimes become confused by what is right in front of us and think what is right in front of us is representative of everything out beyond us. And so in the scriptures, it's important that we learn to understand what the biblical principles are. And so this morning we're going to look at three biblical principles expressed through the Proverbs, expressed through a parable, and expressed through daily living. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you will bless us as we look into your word and speak to us this morning, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So we could ask ourselves as we think about a biblical principle, and we're looking in the book of Proverbs to start with, that's an easy place to start. What is a principle? You can put your hands up, you can call out. What's a principle? Yes, yes. Now, I should have defined principle because there's always some intelligent people about. And so, rather than a, a, a P-A-L, a and, you know, the wives can't have a go at their husbands or anybody else either. Let's, well, let's be kind to each other this morning. So, in spelling principle, we're using the one that do, does with the, not the chap who's in charge of the school, a, a rule. A principle can be a rule, yes, perhaps. It can be. Um, any other thoughts? Guide. Sorry? Guide. A guide, yes. Responsible. You say responsible? Yes. It helps us to be responsible, yes. That's part of the goal of a, of a, of a principle. Moral. Mm, I missed that. Moral. Moral, thank you. Yes, a principle can be a moral. It's something that's certain, it's something that's not negotiable. Um, definitions, what did I find here? It's the expression of a universal truth. Something 
that is much more than just in the corner of the paddock where the maze is. If you open your Bibles, please, to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 20. So we're looking back into the Old Testament, aren't we? After Psalms, we're looking into Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 20. So this, will, this is just a brief little view, just to open our minds to what a proverb actually is, and we'll have a little bit of discussion about it. Proverbs 21 and verse 20. The, this, I'm using the New Living Translation today, so you may well have something different. Um, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. I don't like the word fool. Scripture tells us not to call the partner a fool. So we can say the foolish. The foolish spend whatever they get. Now I'll just put something up onto the screen so you can see it there. So what we have in this verse is a comparative view of two groups of people in relation to wealth and money and how they manage it. And it says the, the, the wise have wealth and luxury. Uh, and the, but the foolish spend whatever they get. About two years ago, I got to know a lady who was a widow who lived um, in one of the cities and her daughter had died who she'd been giving some care to, one of her daughters. And she ended up selling the daughter's home, which she was the executor and sole beneficiary for, and her own home, and moving up into, into a country area. She was quite wealthy at that point. And several of us suggested it would be useful for her to see a financial advisor, because it would likely be her large, big capital input into her life before her eventual demise. She's in her early 80s. She did go to a financial advisor, but she considered that she knew as much as what they knew. And uh, she started be giving big bequests out of hundreds of thousands of dollars to different people and causes. Um, she bought a small place right out in the country, nothing wrong with that. But um, she suddenly discovered she wasn't really happy living right out in the country. She wanted to actually live in a community place where other people like herself were. And lo and behold, she didn't have enough money because she hadn't been prudent. She hadn't been wise. Um, and I won't go into all the consequences of her story, but the ending of her life is not going to be as easy and comfortable, as pleasant as the beginning because she wasn't wise with her money. And in the Proverbs, Solomon says, the wise have wealth and luxury. But the foolish spend whatever they get. You know, they tell us that even many people who win the lotto and other uh, union things like this, most of them lose most of it because they're not wise in how they relate to wealth. And so what we ask ourselves, what is the guiding principle of this proverb? What is the guiding principle? Well, I've summarised it how I thought about it. Be wise. 
Think strategically and learn the discipline of personal saving. Is the Bible relevant for today? I believe it is. What's its message saying to us here in relation to wealth or earnings or whatever money comes our way? Be wise. Think strategically beyond the moment and learn the discipline of personal savings. And so, yes, I believe the guiding principle we just said is we just shared that. Okay. Is the Bible relevant for today? Yes, it is. So that was just a simple little text out of the book of Proverbs demonstrating a proverb and that a proverb is a practical thing. It's a real thing and it relates not only scripture, but it relates to our lives every day. And that's what the Bible is about, relating to our lives every day in different ways. All right, we look at something different. So this is our second illustration. This will be a passage of scripture that you're likely to be more familiar with, speaking again about the wise and the foolish, in Matthew chapter 25 and verses 1 to 13. While you're looking for that, I want to ask those who are under 15 years of age, under what? how many years of age? So I'm not hearing from anybody else but those under 15. All right. Does any of those who are under 15 years of age know what the scout motto is? We know what the scouts are, don't we? It's like pathfinders, but it's different. It's just the boys. Um, does anybody who's under 15 know what the scout motto is? If you can, if you do, if you just put your hand up. All right. Anybody under 20 who knows what the scout motto is? Anybody here under 20 who knows what the scout motto is? And we're not telling each other, are we? We're just keeping it in our own minds at the moment. All right. Anybody under 30 who knows what the scout motto is? Uh, I'm I'm on a journey, brother. (laughs) Anybody under 50 who knows what the scout motto is? Anybody here under 50 who knows what the scout motto is? And don't go looking on your computers (laughs) or your your tablets, whatever, your mobile phones. Anybody under 60 who knows what the scout motto is? Is anybody here who knows what the scout motto is? (laughs) All right. Be prepared is the first part of it, and that's quite true. It's be prepared and always ready to do your duty. I'll repeat that. Be prepared, always ready to do your duty. Now, I'm just going to have a little break from preaching for a minute. And I'm going to put something onto this little table down here. Uh, and then I'll explain what it is and why I'm doing that. Being prepared we'll look at in the spiritual domain in a moment, but it also has practical aspects of being prepared. And I had this on my belt. It's portable, you can see. It's a nice little pouch it all fits into. Anybody of a German origin here? Ah, good. I'm going to show you some good German engineering in a moment. All right. Now, big picture in the world that we live in, in the area of warfare... Uh, they have what they call, I'll try to remember the name of this. They have a type of bomb which they can let off in the atmosphere and it destroys all the electronics. So, if this, for example, if the North Koreans would let one of these bombs off over, say, Sydney, uh, we wouldn't have the lights on here, very unlikely. Uh, the electronics wouldn't be working. 
uh, our mobile phones and those other things certainly wouldn't be working, uh, nor would the amplification system. So we'd be back to the old way of projecting your voice so that people can hear, you know, breathing and speaking from your diaphragm. All right, but it also means at home you wouldn't be cooking on an electric stove and maybe perhaps not even on a gas, we don't know. So how are you going to cook? How are you going to look after yourself? Do you have a strategy? Do you have a plan? Do you understand what the Scout motto is, how it relates to you and your lives? What is it? Be prepared, always ready. And I wanted to hinge my sermon, which is coming on those two aspects there. Be prepared, because in the passage of Scripture we're looking at in a moment, there were some who thought they were prepared, and the others were ready, but some were not ready. And so that's why I'm using this illustration this morning. Now here's our good German engineering. This is a little fireplace. It's made of stainless steel, it fits flat, and so it's nice. I'm not marketing or selling these, I'm just explaining the efficiency of it. And when you, because of the green uh, influence today, uh, you find it actually has a tray that comes down underneath. You push that down, and that's the ashtray. So you're not, you know, you're not burning the grass or doing any damage to your environment. And then when you've done that, there's another little tray which falls down, and it's got little holes in it. And so that lets the air through, because you see your wood comes through on top of that, and through in there. Well, you might say, well, that's going to move or come apart. Well, perhaps it could, but remember, it's good to get German engineering, but they also go the next step. They don't go to step one, they think to step two. So what do they give you here? A little piece you can put on the top there if you're wanting to grill. So if you're wanting to put your toast on the top, you see you put your wood inside there, and you get hot coals and a little bit of flames poking your, your twigs on the front there. And then you, 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 know, you cook your breakfast or whatever you're doing, your toast on the top. Now, if you wanted to put something bigger on the top, they give you these little fellows that go on here. I'll finish with my example and illustration in a moment. You, you can have a look at this after if you'd like to. The Chinese do make a cheaper version. But this is the sort that, this is the sort that you leave in your will and you give to your grandson, like Joe. You know, when, well, hopefully I don't have to give it to you too soon. So, you see, that's that. Put it around that way so you can see. We'll put the other little apparatus down there. That's a visual representation, demonstration of something practical about being prepared and being ready. You see, you're not reliant on gas. And Oh, by the way, you need something like this. I do have a flint, and um, let's just imagine that's my flint. But this is a bit easier to use, isn't it, if you wanted to light something there. So if you were wanting a lunch today and everything had gone off, how are you going to cook your food? You're going to need to find a few twigs and things and pop them down into here, put your billy, put your pan on top and warm it up. It won't take too long and you'll have a, have a cooked meal. All right. As I said, I'm not selling those, I'm not marketing those. It's just purely an illustration. I wanted to engage your minds about being prepared and being ready. There's a difference. There's a difference between knowing something and putting it into practice. All right, where were we? Matthew 25, 1 to 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. Talking about a different age, they did things differently. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridemaids got up and prepared their lamps. 
Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough oil for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. This is 2,000 years ago. It's at midnight. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. All right. Let's just do a little revision going through these. Okay. So in this parable, and it's an illustration, remember, of a what? A principle. Good on you. Jesus reinforces the principle of being, a, being wise and clarifies what is essential to your and my salvation. Verses 1 and 2, what, what did that have to tell us? The kingdom of heaven is like ten bridesmaids. And what did the ten have? They had lamps. And what was the fuel for those? Oil, olive oil. And they went to meet the bridegroom. So you have the bridegroom is coming from North Richmond and everybody from around Riverston and the Windsor area have met here. And the bridal party, which is the bridegroom and his friends and her family, are coming from North Richmond down to Windsor. And everybody's gathered here at Windsor. And they've been waiting and waiting because the bridegroom in this situation, in this culture, he was what? He was late. And so they just sitting in the pews here and it was been a long day and everybody been busy and it's summertime and high humidity and what did they all do? They went to went to sleep. Mm. Okay. And so what we discover in this parable that of every, each of the bride's maids who had been invited to the wedding to be a part of the ceremony Five took it really seriously and thought about the thing strategically. The other five just thought, oh, that'll be right. It should be fine. I've got enough fuel in my car, you know. I've learned from experience in ministry. Friday afternoons, I always put petrol in my tank to the top. Um, I did get almost caught once. So, you know, some things from experience we learn. And out of this parable that Jesus was sharing here about the wedding feast and the ten bridesmaids, he shared that for a purpose, not just for us to hear and listen and think, oh, yeah, the silly people. He's wanting to capture our attention today, 2,000 years later, that we're wise, that we're equipped like the Boy Scouts. We're prepared and always ready to do our duty. Not like the five foolish virgins. So there's a group, and the same group comprised the two different types of people. Meaning of the parable. He gets the meaning out of here. The bridegroom is really relating to Jesus. He's speaking about himself. He's speaking about the second advent when he's coming back to bring all his family back to heaven away from this place which has turned into a bit of a horrible cesspool somewhat. Not totally, but somewhat. Uh, the bridesmaid is the church. It's you and I. 
So in this parable, Jesus is sharing a message for each of us. And he wants to touch our minds and touch our hearts. It speaks of light in here. Well, if you have a lamp, you have a light, don't you? So indirectly it's speaking about a light. And scripture tells us that Jesus is our light. But the fuel that drives the light, the oil, in scripture is speaking of the Holy Spirit. And so in the spiritual experience, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we need the fuel of the Holy Spirit to guide us in our journey, to challenge us when we go wrong, and to encourage us when we do the right. Without the oil of the Holy Spirit, we don't have the fruit of the Spirit, which are the nice characteristics of love and joy, peace, gentleness, you know, all those nice sort of characteristics that we appreciate in people. That's told about being in the Spirit. If we're not in the Spirit and are not fueled, the Scripture says we're in the flesh. And hey, this isn't speaking about the unbelievers out there. It's speaking about us and myself. Were you aware that you can either be in the Spirit as a Christian, as a Seventh-day Adventist, or in the flesh? How would you know? I don't look at everybody else. Just think about yourself. When you're doing things of righteousness, things which of graciousness, of kindness and love and helpfulness, that's the fruit of the Spirit. When you're in the flesh, it's when we become an old grump for too long. It's when we um, do all those other things that aren't very gracious or aren't very nice. We don't need to get all the details. We know what they're like. And so we can tell. Each of us can tell where we are in the fruit of the Spirit on the fruit of the flesh, which is bad, bad fruit. It goes rotten. It's not very nice. Okay, let's move on. Matthew 25, 3 to 6. It spoke of the bridegroom being delayed. You know, as Adventists particularly, we have spoken for over 100 years, 150 years, very close to, about the Lord's Advent being near. I just want to tell you that other people also outside of our denomination are also thinking in a similar way today. And if you read a little bit about religious history and think about the, the, some of the Reformation and revivals of the 17th, 18th and early 19th century, we're really going through another period of something like that today. How do I know? Well, I look at YouTube for specific things like that sometimes. And, you know, the Lord said when he was riding into Jerusalem, remember, on the donkey, and the people put the palm leaves and they, they praised him because they thought he was coming to rescue them then. And some of the very devout religious people were quite accusative of him. And Jesus said, well, if everybody was quiet, even the stones would speak out and give glory and praise to God. I've seen multiple incidences filmed on YouTube of little infants under two years of age who the Lord is speaking to and giving dreams and visions and they're saying Jesus coming soon Jesus coming soon these are little under two year olds who can't even speak on a full vocabulary but they know enough which is enough to understand that the Lord loves them and he's coming soon to take them home is that message ringing in your ears? 
from all that we see happening in our world about us, is your mind saying to you, Jesus coming soon? You know, somebody mentioned this morning in the Sabbath school how difficult it was in different parts of the world because of um, some of the very strong Orthodox religions and some of the very strong other different Eastern, Western religions. Um, but God's speaking to people everywhere. You might say, how can I reach somebody in the middle of Iran who has a different belief than mine and who, if they were to convert to Christianity, would be ostracized by their family and their community and maybe even put to death? The Lord is doing that himself. The Lord is appearing to people in visions and dreams all over our world at the moment in different areas where Christians may not be able to easily meet and is telling them that he is their saviour, that he is their God and he's coming soon to take them to heaven. If God is in the business of telling people and trying to waken up people all over the world that he's coming back soon, do you think it might be wise to understand that perhaps he just might be coming back soon? All right, back to the parable here. With the bridesmaids, because the waiting was quite a period of time, they all fell asleep. Some people fall asleep quicker and easier than others. I see Darren. Yes, when Darren was a little lad, he didn't like going to sleep. You'd see his eyes wide open, and with strong mental effort, he'd be staying himself awake as long as he could. He didn't want to miss what was happening round about him. How are you in relation to the times in which we live and the soon coming of the Lord? Are our eyes open? Are our minds alert? Is our heart reaching out to God in response for all that he's done for us and doing for us? Or have we gone to sleep? Unaware of all that is happening. You see, part of the challenge today is that, number one, with our communications today is so different to a century ago. Everything all the time is out there, whether it's from next door or it's the other side of the world. No longer do you have sailing ships and Pony Express and steam trains and it takes a letter, say, two, three, four weeks to get from one side of the world to another. We have instant messages all over the world looking as to what's happening pretty much all over it. And we can get blasé to all that's happening in our world. I'd encourage you not to be. I'd encourage you not to be. Because if we do, we could end up going to sleep. And we wouldn't want to miss out. We wouldn't want to miss out. All right. Um, normally at midnight, people do go to sleep, don't they? And that's the shift workers. But this is a parable, remember. It's a story. Okay, the meaning. De delay, people go to sleep. There's foolish. In the parable, the foolish were the ones who didn't have sufficient oil or fuel. And remember, we've already discussed that the oil is representative of the Holy Spirit. We can say, well, what's, what's this all about the oil, the Holy Spirit, making some people wise and some people foolish? It's really about how we choose to live the Christian life. 
Whether we can think we can do it under our own steam, under our own minds, our own will, our own energy, or, ever we, or whether we've come to understand that we can do nothing good except what Christ through the Spirit does in each of us. And Jesus describes the two groups, the two experiences, one is wise and one is foolish. Nobody likes calling anybody foolish. But, you know, if, it, if you had the opportunity, and I'm not selling it, but if you were buying this little um, fuel cooker here, and all the power went off in the next half hour, and you had nothing at all to cook your food on, whoever had that would be smiling, wouldn't they? Because they would be equipped. They would be equipped. Are you and I equipped for what's ahead of us? Do we really understand what's ahead of us? Have we thought about it? You know, not to be morbid, but just to understand, Jesus said the time of the end is going to be like no other time in the world's history. So there's little physical things that we can do, but there's the spiritual things that we can do to fortify our lives for a filling of the Holy Spirit. And when you read through the book of Acts, we saw how the Christian communities grew like mushrooms almost overnight so quickly because of the combination of genuine people with the Holy Spirit operating in their lives. And we're told that what's ahead of us will be even more grand and great. And how exciting to be a part of it. Okay. I guess the sermon this morning is a little like an alarm. An alarm which is something which wakes us up. We don't always feel like being awoken, do we? You know, sometimes you're going on a trip or something's happening and you've got to put the alarm up and it goes and you, you, you would love to stay in bed for another few hours and stay asleep. That's, the, that's how we are humanly. But here we're talking about the spiritual. There's a time to be awake. There's a time not to be asleep. It's not speaking about physical sleep. It's speaking about what's happening in our heads in relation to what's happening around about us. So what did we have up there? Foolish are those who are not spiritually prepared. All right, let's move on. 27, 7 to 10. Let's get a few more things up there. The bridesmaid prepared their lamps. The five foolish asked, please give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. We don't have enough to share. The foolish go to buy oil. And while they're gone, the bride comes. The bridegroom comes. And the wise go in to the wedding feast. And so looking at a little bit of meaning for that, each person needs to have their own daily spiritual experience. You can't rely on somebody else. In the spiritual domain, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. It's not currency. The only currency is what occurs within each of us in our own spiritual journey. And all this in our spiritual journey is made possible through the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, this is an amazing part of God. We can't see God. But God is present with us, and you can tell he's present with you by the way you think, the way you feel, the way you behave, and sometimes just the insights that he gives. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, because they're not just insights of the human mind, they're insights of the spiritual mind. Um, and for this group that's wise, that's filled their lives of God's spirit, the fruit of his spirit, love, kindness, joy, peace, etc. Heaven is just waiting to open its gates and let everybody in like that. All right, let me come to the conclusion of this one here. 25, 7 to 13. This is a bit tough, this one. It says, heaven's door is locked. Hmm. 
When I was a very young boy, we had a neighbour. He had, um, I don't know, Asperger's, epilepsy, a number of different things. Um, but anyway, he went out for a walk late one afternoon. And as he came home, the sun had already set. And our front door and his front door were almost identical. And uh, what happened was that he thought our home was his and the darkness and his mental confusion. And our big old oak, this is going back into the 50s, the big oak door, like your big strong doors out there, he broke it right off its hinges. And, um, yeah. But you see, heaven's door, when it's locked, it doesn't open again. Because it takes those who are wise and who love the Lord to heaven. Those who are not wise and have chosen not to love the Lord are left behind which is, is quite a sad story. But you see, sad, angry people are never happy around joyous, loving, interesting people. That's just the way it is. And so the Lord realizes there has to be a separation. Okay, the five foolish return, and they think they're going to get in. But sadly, they're told uh, a very interesting message. On, the Lord doesn't say that, I'm glad you've got enough oil now. What is the actual message the Lord said to them? I don't know you. Hmm. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, mums and dads, grandparents and all of us, uncles and aunts, does the Lord know us? It's not are we in church? That's not the question. It's not are we Christians? That's not the question. The question is, does the Lord know us? That's the real issue and question to come out of this parable. Does the Lord know us? All right, let's see what we can get to from this. Um, it's coming ready or not. The wise are saved, the foolish miss out. Does Jesus know us? We've just discussed that. Okay, what's the principle? Remember, look at principles. This is principle number two. The, the guiding principle of this parable is being connected to the Lord. Being prepared. And in this, we are aided by the Holy Spirit. If we are living that then we'll be part of the wise and we'll be saved. It's not complicated. It's not complex. It's not hard. It's easy. It's just making the right choice. Being connected, being prepared. You know, most people are organized, some a little more than others. You know, we've all organized our lives to be here today. So what's it about? Being connected. We're here, we're connected. But being connected to Jesus. Being prepared. And that doesn't mean this. I've got to be super something myself. It just means I've got to be connected to Jesus Christ. And he's my preparation. And how do I achieve that? I'm aided by the Holy Spirit. Yes, I can do other things like read the Bible. I can pray and do other things like that. All right. The, th the third one to bring our service toward a conclusion. We've looked at the first principle in relation to wisdom in relation to, to something we all have in common, money. The second one, we've just looked at a parable. And that was in relation to Jesus speaking about the wise and the foolish, about those who are going to be ready for him to come and take him home, and those who will be left. And this is the one in daily life. 
And probably for you and me, this is the one that will challenge us the most in the present, because we live in the present. The picture, what sort of message does that, that picture depict to you? I'm listening. What sort of message does the picture depict to you of what that person's experiencing? Worry. Yeah? Sorry? Concern? Anxiety? Hurt, maybe? Sorrow, maybe? It's not, yeah, it's not a positive experience. Um, all right. In our daily lives, this is illustration number three, there are things that need to be changed. There are things that need, we, we need to stop doing. We need to what? Stop doing. That's right. And secondly, there are things that we need to what? Start doing. That's right. Or continue. Some of us might have already started. Continue. That's right. All right. Let's open our Bibles, please, to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. The book of Philippians, you know, and the New Testament. What have we got there? Acts, Romans, Corinthians. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, and we'll get two verses, and that'll pretty much wind us up this morning. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. These two verses really touch on each of our lives, and they have the secret to living in Christ Or otherwise and the blessing and the benefit of living in Christ is amazing and it's taken me 71 years to really start to experience some of this and I'm just so grateful Ephesians 4 6 and 7 this version says don't worry about what hey you don't have to worry isn't that great you don't have to worry about anything instead pray about everything tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done consequence verse 7 then you will experience what the peace of God God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand and it says his peace will guide your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. This, you could say, is where the rubber meets the road. Not just in our spiritual journey, but in our lives, in our living, moment by moment, day by day. I grew up as a child of quite a few anxieties. And I used to be a bit of a worrywart. I was quite successful at that. And I thank God that my wife Jane helped me grow somewhat out of that. But there's always been the roots of that there. You know, somebody says something ungracious and unkind. How do you deal with it? How do you deal with it? I've been on a few more communication channels in the last six months on different lifestyle issues and theology issues. And what I've found is that people who aren't fully in the spirit but are living in the flesh their judgment and their condemnation is utterly obnoxious 
you wouldn't want to write it down and post it back to them. They'd be offended at their own words. But this is what's happening out there. And sometimes, believe it or not, I hope not too much in here. Why? Because people are living their anxieties. People are living their worries. They're stewing on them. They're growing on them. They're feeding on them. And when you talk to them, they're not very interesting because they've got these, oh, have I been there? Yes, I have. But I'm just praising God at the moment because I've, this little element I've been thinking on and spoken on on three occasions, this verse, two verses in Philippians, and it's been challenging me. And what I've discovered is I've given my worries to Jesus and prayed about it, I've stopped being a worry ward. I've stopped being all upset. This personal attack on poor little me. Isn't that what we normally do? Jesus is saying, hey, I'm your older brother, folks. I'm here to stand up for you. You don't have to put up with this rubbish anymore. Just pass it over me. I'll look after it for you. You can go and sing a song, whistle somewhere. Be happy. You don't have to be trodden down and stamped down and, you know, humiliated and all that sort of stuff. I'll take that for you. That's my responsibility. I'm your big brother. Let's move on. Chapter verse 6. Don't worry about anything. You know, when we're worrying, our focus is on what? Ourselves. And so this verse is giving us a message. Don't be so tied up in yourself because you're not going to be very happy there. It says, don't worry about anything. Well, if you weren't connected to God, you might, you might want to do that. But he says to us, pray. What's prayer? Talking to God. With our mouths or with our minds. Don't have to be on our knees. We can be standing up. We can be lying down. We can drive in the car. We can cooking the tea. We can put the washing on the line. We can be mowing the lawn. Talk to God. Prayer. And we talk to him about everything. I had a neighbor once. He's a, he's a nice bloke. What an intelligent man. And we used to have these conversations on Sunday morning. Um, and he'd say to me, well, God's given me a good mind. And he had. His name was Trevor. You know him, Darren. And um, he says, I don't bother worrying God about my problems unless I, can, unless I can't resolve them. And I used to think about myself because I come more from a relationship side. And I used to think, Trevor, if the Lord's your friend, like your spouse, like your mate, why don't you want to share? Is your God a distant God that you can only go to, you know, like a father, you only go to any cares when you can't sort things out? You can't go along in the meantime, just have a chat, say, well, Dad, this is what's happening at the moment. I was thinking about approaching it this way. What do you think? You know, God's there for us. He's saying, don't worry about anything. Come and talk to me about everything. And I'll help you. I'll help you. Okay. But he's, he's asking us not to come with a grudging heart, a doubtful heart. Um, you see, doubt's a terrible thing. It's like a lack of belief. You know, do we actually come to God believing he's not going to help us? He's not really interested in us? Wouldn't that be awful? You know, you come to, your, to a close friend and say, oh, can you help us with this? But all the time you believe they're not going to help you? Well, why do you ask them? You know, that's not wise. It's foolish, isn't it? Why ask somebody for help if you think they're not going to help you? 
But God said he will help us and he proves that he will help us. He says, come with a thankful, appreciative, positive heart, knowing from the past how he's helped us so many times that he wants to do it again. It's about God's enabling. It's about giving God permission to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. What's that about? It's about trust. It's about belief. It's about love. It's about friendship. It's about all those sort of things. Okay. Bring our prayers and requests to God with a spirit of gratitude. And what are we talking about? Not just when we wake up in the morning or the end of the day. This is about a way of life. This is about moment by moment. And this is the challenge for us in our Christian journey is that life gets so busy and it gets so stressful and it gets so distracting that we try to do it all by ourselves and we get totally disillusioned because we don't cope. Jesus said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and come with a thankful heart and I'll sort it out for you. Time and time again, I've found that and I'm sure you have too. It's good to remember and to share the things that God has done for us. Verse 7, it's the last verse. You, when we do this, it's good to look at the consequence of doing things. You know, somebody might say, I'll do this, it's a good thing to do. But it's great to also know the consequence of doing that. Is it going to be worth it for me? What does verse 7 say here? I'll just read it quickly. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. Then the, point, the next point, his peace will guard. Guard, protect. You can't have something taken away from you that's guarded by the Lord. He will guard your hearts and your minds and you will live as in Christ Jesus. So he's saying here that when we stop worrying about everything and pray about everything instead, the peace that we receive is going to be beyond our wildest dreams. You don't believe me? I challenge you to try it. And he will guard your mind as you walk with him. All right. What's the guiding principle in these two verses? We find peace when we trust Jesus. We find peace when we trust Jesus. If you have anxieties at the moment, if you have worries at the moment, and we all have moments of anxiety and worry, the message and the principle of this verse is come talk to Jesus. Don't worry about it. Pray to him about it. And ask him what he's going to do for you about it. And then thank him for it afterwards. Okay, summary. The Lord gives wisdom and strategy. That's what we looked at when we looked at the principle in the Proverbs, wasn't it? Wisdom and strategy. That's dealing with wealth. Remember the wise have funds the foolish they spend it all so the Lord gives wisdom and strategy when we looked at the parable of the ten virgins it's about being connected and ready and how are we ready not through the things that we do but us being connected to the Lord through the Holy Spirit and his enabling and his work in our lives number three we've just looked at together how do we find peace real peace despite all the challenges that come to us and we all have them 
when we stop worrying and we start praying. And the Lord says, I, when you do that, I will guard your mind so you don't worry anymore. So when the worry wants to come back again, what do you do? Go away. You pray harder and it goes away. The Lord guards your mind. But you have a choice. Am I going to worry some more or am I going to pray some more? What's the choice? Am I going to worry some more or am I going to pray some more? Have we got that? What's the choice? Worry or pray is at all influential whether we want to have peace or anxiety. Do we want peace or do we want anxiety? All we have to do is pray. And the Lord promises us. He said, I will put a guard over you so that you could live in peace and free of anxiety. 2018, just a few short days and hours ahead of us. I encourage you to make Jesus first in your life. And as you consider the three principles we've shared this morning, your financial life will be better. Your spiritual journey will have clear hope at the end of the destination because we've been wise. And in the daily challenges, moment by moment, we will have ongoing peace and relaxation because we've given it to God, our elder brother, who said to cast all your cares on him because he loves you. God bless you. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for joining us in our worship today. We thank you for speaking to our minds and our hearts. And we just pray that your Holy Spirit will set a fire under our thinking and our choices and our decisions. That we would gladly want to be amongst the wise, to be in a place like heaven, where we never grow old, we never get sick, we never have bossy people around us, we never bossy ourselves. That learning is easy, our memories never grow tired. And we have strength and health to enjoy every day, every moment. New things to learn, new instruments to play. A place where it's fun to be. May we be wise. Guide us in our choices and in our living, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have any questions or comments in relation to today's program, you can call 3ABM Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 61 2-4973-3456 Our email address is radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au That is radio at the number 3ABN Australia all one word dot org dot au Our postal address is 3ABN Australia Inc PO Box 752 Morissette, New South Wales 2264 Australia Thank you for your prayers and financial support.
Let's listen to Kelly Willard as she sings to us the Cares Chorus. It's been our pleasure bringing you this program today here on 3ABN Australia Radio.